Hey, what's up, podcast? This is Matt Shalava, and you are listening to the Road to Freedom Pod. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Matt Shalava, and today is Friday, April 15th, 2022, and it has been a very, very long time since I've been on the podcast. I think the last one I did was like in October, so it's been of, of 21. So it's been like a very, very long uh, several months without having done a podcast, but I kind of got to a point in Q4 where things got really, really busy. And I can kind of recap it a little bit and talk about some of the things that I've been seeing and some of the things that have been going on for me in reselling. But I think the point that I kind of left everybody with was I had just finished up my full-time job as an engineer and I kind of transitioned into going and working as uh, full-time as a reseller. And I had originally had plans of moving to Florida and taking it down there, uh, but plans change. Uh, things change sometimes. And I, my girlfriend's down there. I wanted to get an apartment down there, um, be closer to her and stuff, and have a place to kind of keep all of my inventory. But things have just kind of gotten a little bit crazy out there. There's been a lot of increase recently in prices for housing and prices for apartments and stuff down, especially where she's located. And she has since kind of gone full time with her YouTube channel that she's been working on since she got out of college. So she's kind of trying to figure out if she wants to stay down there, if she wants to kind of move back in with her parents and kind of make things work that way. So it's just been, it's been a very interesting last few months and part of the reason why I'm still in PA. So either way, let's kind of recap it a little bit. I'll touch on Q4 and how things ended up wrapping up for me. And then I will talk a little bit about what I've been seeing in both reselling markets and just all sorts of things out there. So anyway, I finished up Q4 pretty strong. I did not, I had kind of started a plan, a business plan last year called Traction. There's a book written by Gino Wickman called Traction. Very, very solid way of running a business. It's kind of the way I can break the book down and summarize it in a few words for you. It's one of the better business plans out there I think that you can really incorporate into a business. And if you run it the way that he says to do it, you will you will have a hard time not being successful because the way that he structures the business plan that he has, it's very easy to follow, it's step-by-step. And he used it to build 1-800-GOT-JUNK into the business that it is today. So that's kind of what I ended up incorporating into my business near the end of my time at the my previous employer, right before I went full-time. And so I kind of, I remember this point where I sat down in the beginning of Q4 and the way they break it up is you set quarterly goals or quarterly, they call them rocks, um, that kind of build the foundation for your quarter uh, and you break it into four quarters like each year. And so I sat down at the beginning of the fourth quarter and looked at my sales numbers and thought there's no way I'll be able to break um, X amount of sales. I won't go into the exact numbers of it, but I just kind of wrote it down. I thought, you know, if I can hit this amount of sales, um, it will be a very, very good fourth quarter for me. It won't be the best, but it'll be decent. It'll be like one that I'll be happy with. And I remember somewhere around the end of December, maybe December 29th, I sat down and looked at my sales numbers at the end of the year just because things have been so hectic. I checked eBay and I was kind of getting some stuff ready for tax season because that's upon us right now. Today's typically the tax date, but they bumped it back to April 18th because today's Good Friday. And so I was looking at the end of December, just doing a little bit of recap on the year, and I saw that not only had I hit the sales goal that I was trying to hit, but I doubled it. So that was just something that kind of shocked me a little bit, and 
I I kind of never expected that to happen. Where you set like a goal like that and, and you end up doubling it. Now, there were a lot of things that played into that that I didn't see happening. Uh, I flipped a lot of consoles. That was one of the huge drivers of the profit that I had in the fourth quarter of the year, which was surprising to me just because it had been a year since they had released. And we're here in April of 2022. They came out in, I believe, September of 2019, no, 2020. They released in September of 2020 for pre-order, and then I think they started shipping in October. And it's been a year and a half almost, if not more, and they're still selling. It's crazy. It is crazy the sort the shortages on them. It's crazy how much uh, stock that they have had held back just because of a lot of the world events. And we've had a lot of things happen since uh, October of 2021 that have kind of changed the the way the world works and stuff like that, and the way that we see things out there. But it's just been crazy to see those continue to be a profit driver for a lot of resellers and works out well for us. I had seen something, I'd heard something on Trailsa Podcast and talking about how retailers may start cutting the box open so that you can't resell the item as new. Uh, we'll see if that ends up happening. I haven't heard anything about that here in the US. I think that was in Japan. But that's just kind of what drove a lot of my sales in the fourth quarter. There were other things. There was a lot of low-key items that I ended up uh, kind of finding. The biggest one being the Gabby Dollhouse. Gabby Dollhouses were the money play in the fourth quarter and I talked I think a little bit at the end of when I stopped podcasting last year in the fourth quarter just about finding those niche items finding the items that are going to be the it item of Q4 and that was it and I ended up without going into too much detail of where I found a retailer that had them in stock and you could order unlimited amounts of them and they were in stock for about 30 minutes and I think I ordered about 75 of them and that was in addition to a bunch of the ones that I had hit on Walmart Target when I, with some bots that I was running. So I believe all in all, I sold over about 100 of those things in Q4 last year. And those were just an absolute massive profit on those. I remember I was selling them on eBay. I think retail was about 60, 70 bucks. And eBay was an easy 190, 200 plus for those things. So a lot of money to be made on those. Um, not reselling super well right now anymore. Things have kind of died down. They're still not easy to get, but they're just, there's so many out there at this point. People have gotten the ones, the people that wanted to pay up have gotten them. Uh, a lot of the people that wanted to pay up got them for Q4. And so I remember that, that dollhouse and it was like the Cocoa Melon, the Cocoa Melon of 2020, where everybody that got a Cocoa Melon doll, like they were just selling those things like crazy on eBay. That was Gabby Dollhouse's 2021 for me. And so that was a huge profit driver for me as well. I was super pumped about that. And now here we are in April, things have slowed down considerably and that's kind of to be expected. And I was looking through some of my sales numbers over the past three years. It's kind of interesting to see a trend start to form where you can see Q4 for me is always my biggest year or biggest part of the year where I'm just absolutely crushing everything that I buy seems to sell. And you just get in this like euphoria of like where you think that everything that you buy is just turns to gold and you can, you can sell everything. And then Q1 hits and people still have some money left over from Q4 that they got for Christmas or birthdays or whatever they get, uh, mainly Christmas money. And they start to continue to buy in January. And as February hits, people start to slow down. People stop buying as much. People get back into the groove. People get out of that holiday spirit. And as soon as March is kind of rolling around, you really see sales start to dip. And it continues that way up until about October is really like the big spike again. Now, me saying that makes it sound like I make no money until October, which is not true. But I would say that 50 to 75% of the amount of money I will make this year will come in the months of October, November, December. It's just, it's the facts, the way that it works. And so when you look at that, 
it's something where you need to almost be really, really prepared because once October hits, not only are you going to be very, very busy, but you're also going to have a you're you're going to have less time to to do the research that you need to do to be able to hit these these really profitable items. And so that's what I've been devoting a lot of my time to. I've also since uh, Q4 last year brought on two virtual assistants. So one I have as a full-time VA, one I have as my lister and bookkeeper. It has been awesome. <laughs> I, I can't stress it enough. I think a lot of people are scared to bring on a VA and I, I think it's something where you have to almost test them a little bit, get a little bit of development out there so you can kind of see, hey, is this person a good fit? Are they trustworthy? Are they somebody that I could uh, work with? But I ended up getting my virtual assistant that I had doing my listing to do my bookkeeping and she's awesome. Absolutely like she's an all-star and I asked her if she wanted to work full-time for me and she said hey I already have a full-time job listing on eBay for somebody else I'd love to continue listing for you but I just can't do it all right now and I said that's fine and she referred me to one of her other virtual assistant friends or I guess one of her friends that was trying to become a virtual assistant and referred me to him and he's been pretty solid as a VA I don't think that um I don't think that you know we're where we want to be yet kind of with where I've been training him and stuff like that but He's learning pretty well. He does a lot of research for me, and he's been very helpful and, and instrumental in me being able to provide uh, some of the information that I've been providing as well. And, and that's another thing that I kind of took on in Q4. I'm in a group called GFNF, which is one of the bigger reselling groups that's out there. Uh, they've been kind of on reselling since 2020. The people that lead it have been reselling for a while now, and they kind of put out a form to do if you wanted to help out in any way and so in q4 i found that i was finding a lot of flips that i just couldn't personally sell them all myself there was it was i would be spread too thin and there was like this plethora of good reselling flips that i found that it was just like i can't buy them all because if i buy them all i'm not gonna have enough storage for them and i like to focus on one or like not one skew but as few SKUs as possible with the most amount of quantity as possible. And so as I'm going through and kind of picking and choosing the, the things that I want to sell, I found all these other great leads that I couldn't sell myself just because they didn't work with my business. It wasn't something that I wanted to flip uh, just because I try to keep things consolidated as much as possible. And sometimes I branch out and recently I've been buying a lot of different things to do some tests and stuff like that, but I still find a lot of flips that have been very profitable things to sell um that i just haven't maybe they don't either work for my profit margins or they don't necessarily i don't have the storage for them and so i've been putting a lot of those like things that i think would be super helpful and even things that like i do sell and stuff like that i'll put into gfnf and i think a lot of people get on cook groups about how they're they're hard to work with and maybe not hard to work with but like they'll tank profits on things and that is true it is it is tough sometimes whenever you're trying to sell stuff and there's 3,000 other people going for it, you're gonna have that. But I try and put things in there that are almost either an evergreen item or things that will continue to sell well, even if there are a lot of people on them, which is tough to find, but uh, those items are out there, you just kind of have to do the research for them. And so the virtual assistant I brought on, he's helped me out with that a lot too. He's just been super helpful and he's just taken on a ton of things for me. I had him go through all of the accounts that I buy things on and grab all of the receipts off of those and organize them for me and just, all sorts of different things. So that's been huge. That's been something that I would really recommend for a lot of people is trying to get somebody to do uh, your bookkeeping, do your listing, get that stuff outsourced. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to be doing that as your day job. I find a lot of just repetitive tasks that I've done don't contribute to the overall goal of growing my business. And that's something that 
has been kind of a real push for me is to focus on automation this year and trying to either automate it by literally passing it off to somebody else or automate a task in my business by using a program like Zapier or some sort of like IFTTT, some program that's out there built by web developers that is made to automate and integrate different platforms into each other. So like I use Airtable for all my bookkeeping and if I wanted to, I could learn how to code or learn how Zapier kind of communicates between Airtable and eBay and link them together so that every time I make a sale on eBay, it records in a certain format in Airtable for me. And that would almost eliminate the bookkeeping aspect of my business. So there's different things like that that you can do. I kind of like the system I have right now, so I don't need to do that. But automation is one of the biggest things that's going to be a huge driver for me outsourcing a lot of the tasks that I need to do just because it's such a time saver. So that's kind of what I've been working on right now. Now, things that I've seen for 2022, let's just touch on that for a moment. Um, things have slowed a lot since Q4, and that's kind of one of the things that I've noticed. I've been looking for items to flip, and it's a lot more difficult right now, and I've never had to find my own leads before. And so it's definitely something that's been a bit of a struggle. Now, consoles have been reselling really well. NFTs have popped off and since Q4. I haven't done a ton of NFTs. I really don't do much with them. But if you've been in them, you've known how, how much money there is to make and how much money there is to lose in NFTs. And so that's been something that's been a, kind of one of the biggest things from Q4 to Q1 that I've seen is NFTs have been doing really well up until the past month or so. Things have really, really slowed. And it, trying to find items that are, are good flips that are uh, low-key items that you would find on like a Target or a Walmart or any of these places, that's gotten a little bit more difficult as well just because the time that I started looking for them was in Q4 where basically not everything but a lot of things sell well and it's very easy to find profitable items in Q4 as opposed to Q1. So that's been one of the biggest things that I've seen struggled with is trying to find new profitable items but I've kind of dabbled in a lot more different uh, different items out there like Loungefly is a huge one. If you're looking to flip, I would certainly look into Loungefly and you can buy them new, you can buy them used on Mercari. And if you really know what you're doing, I think there's a lot of money to be made in Loungeflies because there's a huge collector base for those. They sell really, really well. And Disney partners with Loungefly on a lot of different bags that they do. There's Disney Park exclusives, there's Shop Disney exclusives, there's all these different exclusive bags that Loungefly will partner with Disney in. And my girlfriend is like very, very into Disney. That's what her whole YouTube channel is about. And let me just tell you, Disney people are very fanatical about what they buy. And so a lot of the people she knows on YouTube or creators that she's talked to, they some of them have Loungefly collections and it's not just like they have one or two. They have like 50, 60, 70 of these things and it's almost addicting to buy them. And so people really want to buy Loungefly. People really stress that brand and really like it a lot. And so... That's something that I've seen a lot is just, I've been kind of moving into things like that that are very niche markets, uh, things that flip really well, things that have a large follower base, but you can niche down within the, the market. So Loungefly doesn't just do Disney stuff. They also do things with uh, Marvel Comics, which is owned by Disney, but kind of separate from the Mickey Mouse and all that kind of stuff. Um, they also do things with DC Comics. They also do things that are just, um, different brands like Hello Kitty, things like that. So there's a lot of money to be made in these lounge flies if you know uh, very popular brands and very popular things that people look for. Disney seems to be the most profitable from what I've looked at. Another, another thing I've noticed is vinyl is just going through the roof, which is kind of crazy to me. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, vinyl records are very collectible and very resellable. 
which you wouldn't think that because we've had vinyl records for years and nobody uses them anymore because we all have music on our phone or now we have Spotify where we can stream any song that we want anywhere that we are. And so when you look at vinyl, um, it's one of those things that's almost a collector piece. And so different stores, different artists will do different colored vinyl. And some of these things are really, really creative. I mean, they're almost artistic in the way that they are made where you'll have a vinyl that's not just the black uh, circular disc. It's a, you know, a blue disc with pink splatter on it that looks like one of those uh, Jackson Pollock paintings. If, if you know who he is, I think he was the dude that threw all the paint at like the canvas and got really popular for doing something that any toddler could do. And so they almost look like that though, where they look really, really interesting. I mean, there's some really cool looking vinyl. They'll also do things like split the vinyl into two different colors, which is cool. So half of it'll be like purple, half of it'll be yellow. Um, they'll do all sorts of things. They'll do swirly ones. They'll do like just really cool, unique looking designs. And a lot of them are limited. So they may be limited out of 100 or 200 or 500 copies. And for some of these bands or music groups that are very popular that have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people that love their music, they're their fans are fanatical in a way too because they're crazy about this this group and there's such little stock for the item that's coming out this this vinyl in this case that you can buy one of them and sometimes they may retail at 20 30 40 bucks and they may resale right out the gate at 100 bucks or 150 dollars now it's not every vinyl you have to really really know what you're doing you have to do a lot of research on it but there are some of them that will do that and that's not even talking about the appreciation aspect of them where as people begin to sell out there's still the large fan base of the music group, but the vinyl, there's less dead stock vinyl on the market to be bought. And so as it sells out on Amazon and eBay, it goes up in price significantly. And so that vinyl that you bought for 30 bucks that may go for $100 right out the gate, if you hold that for three, four, six months, you may be able to sell that thing at 200 or $250. And so that sounds very good. That sounds like, wow, it's almost too good to be true. And in a way it is because it's not every vinyl. Like I said, you really have to know what you're doing. Um, I've bought a significant amount of vinyl. A lot of it hasn't appreciated. I bought a lot of vinyl that has appreciated. You really need to know what you're doing. And if you have money to play with or test with, you can kind of start to begin learning that through buying. Or if you don't, then I would jump into Reddit and Twitter and I would really start to do some research on what sort of vinyl sells well. But those are two of the big trends that I've noticed in 2020. Two. Now, Lounge Fly has been around forever, but at least for something for me that I've been trying to dabble in a little bit, there's just there's more out there than just the, the classic toys and stuff that you sell from Walmart and Target. There are a lot of designer items out there that I think resellers are going to start to pick up on as things go on, uh, like these Lounge Fly bags that do collaborations with different stores or like other sorts of different handbags and stuff like that that people will pay resale for once they sell out. There's a lot of things like that out there that we just haven't tapped into yet. And so reselling at some point may, may take a nosedive. I, I think that's very possible if we have a recession at some point in the upcoming year, two years, as things kind of get a little bit wild. But for now, there's so much untapped potential out there. And I think that's going to continue to be uh, one of the trends that we see as people start to dive into these really niche markets and make a lot of money in them because there's so much out there that's been mainstream with toys and with uh, just different types of electronics and stuff. But there's so many other markets out there that are somewhat riskier, but you can make a lot more money in if you really know what you're doing. So it's kind of what I wanna leave you with today is start doing some research. If you haven't started reselling yet, at least go to your local yard sale, garage sale, um, thrift stores and start doing research there. Start learning how to sell things. 
if you've been doing this for a while, try branching out a little bit and maybe don't go so far that you're spread so thin, but start trying to look for these new niche markets out there because once you learn them, it's it's something that kind of sticks in your head forever. And so as I'm walking through a Target or a Walmart, a lot of the items that I've seen before or items that are similar to the ones I've seen before stick out to me and I can look it up and I don't necessarily have to look up every item in the toy aisle to figure out, hey, this one's probably profitable, that one doesn't look profitable because I've seen so much. But it's like that for every niche. And so if you can start to do that research, start to look through and say, hey, this looks like a, like vinyl, this is an interesting artist or this is an interesting looking vinyl, I'm gonna look it up or I'm gonna look up other things from this artist and see if they've sold well. Once you start to do that, you'll be able to really start to hone down your skills on flipping that sort that certain item and you're just gonna have unlimited potential depending on how big or small the niche is. So anyway, hopefully that helps you out. I'm gonna go. It's been a long time coming for me to start doing podcasts again. I don't know if I'm gonna do them every day, but I do really enjoy doing them. So, uh, and it kind of helps me clear my head. So I'll let you guys go. You guys have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great Easter. And I will talk to you soon with another podcast. Have a good one. Peace.